0: Welcome to Watchmen Minute, where we take a look at the director's cut of Zack Snyder's Watchmen, one minute at a time. My name is Travis Bowe from the Real Comic Heroes podcast.
1: I'm Eric Nash from the upcoming, in 2019, Almost Famous Minute. I'm Rick from the Mad Max Minute.
2: And I'm Julia, also from the Mad Max Minute.
0: Welcome, Rick and Julia. How are
1: you?
3: We are doing just fine. Yeah,
2: thank you for having us. We're looking forward to
3: a nice, light-hearted week with nothing too heavy (laughs) or horrific ahead of us. I'm... Sure, everything that's coming down the pipeline is just all sunshine, roses, and positivity all around.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Did Have you guys actually watched these minutes? Uh, I'm a
2: little concerned <laughs> that... Nope, we're just winging it. Oh, yes,
3: yes. This will be the absolute first time we've ever seen any of this. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure the sarcasm is translating to audio. It usually does.
0: Okay, so minute 101 starts with Rorschach's dislike of the psychiatrist and ends with Rorschach talking about Rorschach.
1: Well, this this is the first minute compared to a little bit last at the end of last week and, and the rest of this week where, you know, there's absolutely no flashbacks this whole minute. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, interest, interesting flashbacks are really nice for this whole scene as a taken as a whole scene, but... Uh... <laughs> Unfortunately for this one, first minute with you, Rick and Julia, we're, we're getting a little bit of an, uh, uh, as the way I put it, my
2: dinner with Andre vibe. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Yes, we are. <laughs> well, as devoid
3: of action and, I guess, locked down to a particular location as it is, it's still a very tense back and forth. Yeah.
0: I think the music helps with that. Mm-hmm. It's It's just unsettling and it also i think helps because the first you know first real line you get here is i don't like you so instantly we're starting off like feeling uncomfortable i think you know you don't don't typically hear someone say like i don't like you you know <laughs> but the psychiatrist takes it really well like it's very clinical like oh you don't like me why is that exactly i just reread the issue that this is all taken from that's uh, chapter 6 which is called The Abyss Gazes Also and William S. Taylor here who plays um, our psychiatrist is just spot on for the look of the character we managed to cast someone who just really looks like the the drawing you know of the the character so Mm -hmm. uh, just the little whitish you know the hair on his temples and the little mustache and you know clothing it's all just Perfect.
3: Speaking as someone who has read the comic and seen the movie and off and on I'll watch the animatic as well, I really enjoy the way that Dr. Long is portrayed in the movie as opposed to the way he's portrayed in the comic. Because when you're looking at it in the comic, it's a lot of very still images of him looking shocked, almost appalled at what Rorschach is saying. But in the movie, it just comes off as a bit more nuanced. Maybe you get the better sense that Dr. Long is used to dealing with psychopaths. He might just not be used to dealing with this sort of psychopath. And I really like how the actor plays that off.
0: Sure. Yeah. And it's interesting, like he doesn't react when, uh, you know, when Rorschach is telling him why he doesn't like him and he says, you know, you're fat, wealthy. He doesn't react until he hears Rorschach say the line about your liberal sensibilities. Mm-hmm. That's when his uh, you know, his eyebrows raise, and I find that interesting. Like it doesn't yeah. bother him to hear that he's that someone thinks he's fat, and I guess someone assumes he's wealthy. But
3: yeah, I imagine the fat and wealthy get thrown around an awful lot when he's dealing with normal inmates. But he doesn't usually get called out for appearing to be liberal. <laughs> yeah, that makes
0: sense.
2: I really appreciate that Rorschach comes right out of the gate and says, "I don't like you." When you're when you're working with a a therapist or a psychologist of any kind, it's really important to you don't have to like them, but you have to trust them. And finding one that you trust and that you want to actually work with can be a challenge. And Rorschach com- Rorschach comes right out of the gate and says, "Nope, I don't like you. I don't want to work with you." And that can be a difficult thing for anybody, no matter how sick or healthy and he's pretty psychotic so he's pretty sick it can be a hard thing to say
3: especially in this instance where Rorschach knows just by looking at Dr. Long that Dr. Long is not going to understand anything that he has to say he needs someone who's a bit more conservatively minded so that they can get a better hold on his brand of justice and you know his brand is not a nationally recognized brand it's one of those small store type brands where it's just
0: repackaged into something else (laughs) Yeah, his moral compass doesn't typically line up with too many, too many people. So,
2: <laughs> Yeah, he needs somebody who at the very least is going to see the need for justice from the same point of view as him. And you don't have to be ultra violent or psychotic to see the need for justice from Rorschach's point of view. Uh, you just sure. need to. I-, I think that is a more conservative point of view as opposed to a liberal point of view. Mm hmm. So there are better therapists out there for him who can, without condoning the violence, can understand why he's doing these things.
0: Right. Hmm. But I wonder if he had someone whose understanding was more in line with Rorschach, would would he open up more? Or would he – because I feel like he – Rorschach wants to throw all of this in his face because – he knows that this therapist psychiatrist needs to be woken up you know or, you know needs to have this stuff explained to him, and that's why he is the way he is and and I don't know I don't know if I don't know if Rorschach is behaving this way because the the psychiatrist is on the opposite side of him, like in terms of you know philosophy and and, and all that.
2: There does seem to be an element of, I want to shock you. Right. I want to, maybe, maybe even an element of, I want you to understand that you will never understand (laughs) me and you will never be able to change me and you will never be able to help me. Which, of course, we see a few minutes down the road, he absolutely succeeds in. Sure. Because what easier way to get somebody to leave you alone? Than to convince them that you are a lost cause, not worth their time or energy. Mm-hmm.
3: Sure. I think that's one way in which the graphic novel is better than the movie, because in the film, Martin Long, or no, Malcolm Long gives up after one session with Rorschach. right In the comic, he goes through several before he reaches that point where he just can't do it anymore. <laughs> and yeah. even then, I don't think he necessarily quits on Rorschach. Let me see if I can.
0: Yeah, it goes. Here. Um, we'll see, it, it goes even I?
1: deeper because there's yeah. all those in the comic. There's all those all the scenes with his wife. Mm-hmm. You know, the pro, kind of problems at home, and and you know him him kind of uh, uh, continuing to think about this one case <laughs> at home in his off hours when she wants him. To yeah, him to, to, to herself. Yeah,
0: by the end of the yeah. this issue, um, or this you know chapter, it's like you know he's Malcolm has taken a lot of this stuff home um he's working on it at home it's you know becoming a an interruption in his home life like and by the end of the issue like it seems like his wife has left him they've alienated a few friends of theirs uh, just by talking about this case and then it ends with him looking at an ink blot and just admitting that nothing matters and everything ends in blackness so mm-hmm. It's, I think it's important to know the sort of impact that Rorschach can have on, you know, quote unquote decent folk.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: because, yeah, it's, it's, I do wish we had some of that here in the book because it, I think it would be more impactful given that just being around Rorschach can really do to someone else.
2: There's a line in this minute that Rorschach says that kind of, kind of goes along those same lines. So those same lines, he says, talking about himself, once a man has seen society's black underbelly, he can never turn his back on it, never pretend. Once you dive into Rorschach and the darkness that is in his head, you're never going to be the same again. Sure. It's going to infect every aspect of your life. And whether that can be helped, whether that's something under your control... I I don't know, and I do not want to find out.
3: (laughs) Well, I'm pretty sure that's where they got the title for the chapter in the book from. That idea of the abyss gazes also. It's um, I think it's Nietzschean? Yep. Who said, you know, if you stare too long into the abyss, the abyss will stare back into you. You know, be careful when fighting monsters that you do not yourself become a monster.
0: Which is more or less the Rorschach story.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. I like the in the book, like it's Malcolm who's the main character in this issue. Obviously, with the movie, we don't have really have the time to spend like four days doing these interviews and you know home life and and all that stuff. So they they do manage to do a pretty good job, I think, of getting a lot of the important bits of dialogue between their multiple sessions into this one you know meeting. And it it's obviously it's split up a little bit. We had a little bit last week with some of the inkblot tests and then all the dialogue from today. And then I think we'll have a little bit next week, but yeah, I think it do a pretty decent job of getting the important bits from the book into this section.
1: Yeah.
3: Now, did they make a cut of this movie that was longer than three hours?
0: Um. Yeah. The ultimate cut is longer, but it's mostly just has the added black freighter animated yeah. scenes. And then a few like, uh, uh, what do you call them? Like bumpers to go on on either side of the animated sequences. Okay, for the most part, that's what I thought yeah. to make
1: it flow better in a sense. Yeah, so. uh,
0: mostly the news vendors and the you know last week's guest teenager at newsstand Jesse Reed. Like he gets a lot more screen time in the ultimate cut. I did. I did watch the uh, theatrical version. Just to, just these five minutes um, before you know, when I was working on my notes. And it's interesting, the little tiny bits of dialogue that they remove in the theatrical versus the version we're discussing the director's cut. And um, surprisingly to me, the, all the text or all the dialogue about the, once, once man, once a man has seen society's black underbelly, you know, that text all the way to starting into the next or tomorrow's minute where he says we do this because we have to because we're compelled, like that's all cut out of the theatrical, so really, but yeah, I was okay, I was kind of shocked that that wasn't in the theatrical but
2: i uh, th- we watched the director's cut uh yesterday, okay, and I was trying to notice what was new, okay, and I had a really hard time picking out what was different, I think that's. A credit to the editor that nothing was blatantly different. It was just lots of little things that added to it along the way, right? Not big new scenes, just lots of little stuff. I like that.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I love the uh, the way the psychiatrist lights up when he hears Rorschach say, "I'll tell you about Rorschach." You know, because the little bit that the psychiatrist Reacts because he keeps everything pretty subdued. I think you know he doesn't want to mm-hmm. give anything away. Like he's not there to talk about himself or anything like that. So he's just there to kind of be a blank, you know, slate for Rorschach to talk. But he gives himself away when he's when Rorschach says that, and then his eyes kind of light up. And I think that's kind of a nod to the the way the book deals a lot, you know, more with with Malcolm here and in the supplemental bits in the end of the book, you have a a handwritten note from Malcolm saying, you know, he's about to interview Rorschach, which could lead to him being published. And he's really looking forward to the interview on, on Friday, he says. So I think this little reaction is kind of a nod to that and the idea of what Rorschach says about, you know, there are other people in here with more extreme behavior, but they're not going to, they're not famous and I think what he means is they're not going to make you famous.
3: Exactly. And as good as Dr. Long does at doing those subtle reactions, it's funny that even though Rorschach calls him out for that famous subject line, he still... <laughs> Dr. Long still falls for you know acting more attentive right. when Rorschach starts talking about himself.
2: I think that might attest to that Dr. Long is on one level and Rorschach is on a whole different level. He is sees things and is thinking in ways that is completely above what Dr. Long is doing. Sure. To Rorschach, it's completely clear that this doctor is particularly interested in him because he could get published. And Rorschach knows what's going on in his head. He knows it would make a great paper.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a good scene to show how perceptive Rorschach is, you know, he's he's a very intelligent person and like this minute really helps show us that. I think it's interesting that Rorschach doesn't see himself as a criminal, like when they're talking about the uh Rorschach says that he wants to protect the protect and understand the guilty. You know, he's talking about the psychiatrist and and this whole rotting society and what what it calls rehabilitation nothing short of compromise like i said i think it helps to show that he doesn't see himself as one of these criminals that he's locked up with and when he himself is guilty of a you know great many things and it's it's that moral code that makes him blind to the fact that he he's breaking the law but because he doesn't put faith in the laws of like man and government he believes in the laws of nature and justice and crime and punishment and evil and good and all that so
3: And I think it's good that we get the presentation of Rorschach's opinion on the idea of compromise. It's really hammered home in this scene that when it comes to situations, there's no give a little, take a little. There's no meeting in the middle for negotiations. It's either Rorschach's interpretation of justice or nothing at all.
0: Right.
2: Which, of course comes into play in a very, very big way by the end of the movie. It's a, Yeah, it's important for us to understand that now, because by the end, he's going to give his life for that concept. So this scene lets us understand why he's willing to do so.
0: Sure. Yeah, d- and definitely going into the next few minutes, you'll find out even more about why he doesn't compromise and why that's so important to him and just... the to- concept of justice and like he says that that darken underbelly you know most people don't have to be faced with the the truly horrible things that humans can do but rorschach as we'll see you know very soon like he's he's spent time with it and i think one of my favorite things just a line reading of you know, when rorschach says you know we don't do this thing <laughs> because it's permitted like just the way they the Emphasis that he puts on th- the word thing It's like very unique And it's always stuck out to me It's very memorable Like he's almost disgusted That he has to even say these words Especially the, the because it's permitted You know mm-hmm.
3: It also makes me wonder Does Rorschach not appreciate The idea of calling it crime fighting Or being a masked vigilante He seems to want to use another phrase for it, but either the phrase doesn't come to him or he doesn't think the phrase will go over well in a prison setting.
2: I would imagine that he sees the label crime fighting to be beneath him, that what he is doing is a higher purpose than crime fighting. Yeah. That that would lower him.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And as
2: far as what term he would like to use for himself, I really have no idea. Does he never really call himself anything? Does he never label himself?
0: Um, he call he refers to himself and the others are you know masks when he's talking about someone's pick. Well, he says someone's picked up, picking off costumed heroes. I think is how yeah. he
1: yeah.
0: says it. Yeah, um, I think so. And then masks he refers to. Um, it's too bad the Punisher is a name that's already taken because I think that would be very, uh, <laughs> very appropriate.
2: Yeah, it would imply justice. Yeah, yeah. Well, he gave himself the name Rorschach, so that says a lot about himself. Sure. That maybe he's not going to define himself; he's going to leave that definition up to other people. Because the ink blots—they aren't actually anything. They're—they're they're not meant to look like anything. Sure. There is no right answer, and. And by that definition, there is no wrong answer.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's...
2: So if he's going with that name, it kind of means we get to see him however we want to see him. Because that's, that's what a Rorschach is.
0: Well, it's all black or white. There is no gray. There's no... It's one or the other with him.
2: That's the problem, I think, with <laughs> the name Rorschach is, especially with his mask, that actually changes. Yeah. So, yeah, there is black and white, but on his face, those black and white parts change constantly. There may not be a gray area, but things do move back and forth between black and white, and his sentimentality does not hmm. there is no movement, and there is nothing in between
0: It's a shame that when we don't get the scene from the book where when he does start to tell the doctor about Rorschach, you know he explains where the you know down to the the fabric that he acquired you know for this mask. We we miss out on that whole explanation that would have gone, you know, right in, here, right around this scene. So,
1: you know, I guess the only other thing I would say, I mean, you're, you're, we're kind of getting right at it for a moment. Uh, you were saying that nothing short of compromise that Rorschach says, then the psychiatrist asks, is it a compromise to want to make you well? And then what Rorschach says, I don't know that he's truly really answering that or if that maybe if he understood that to be maybe more rhetorical. I don't know. Do you, you think Rorschach ever really w- is really trying to answer that for him, or is he going back to pr- like previous questions that that the doctor asked, you know, from last week or whatever, even that uh, you know, well, who are you really? You know, why, why are you the way you are? You know.
0: Yeah, I think he's definitely responding to the earlier question when he was saying, you know, tell me about Rorschach.
2: I think he may also be responding. Not to the question itself, but to the implication the question mm. leads us to is Malcolm Long says, is it a compromise to want to make you well? Rorschach is hearing to make Rorschach well as opposed mm. to other people well. So he goes right into throwing it in his face that he under- that Rorschach understands that this is a huge public opportunity for the doctor. Mm-hmm. But that mm. doesn't answer the question.
0: <laughs> right. Um, So why don't you guys tell us a little bit about Mad Max Minute.
3: So as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, and Travis just mentioned, now we are from the Mad Max Minute. We are just thundering through <laughs> the different movies in the Mad Max series. We started off with the original Mad Max from 1979, back at the beginning of 2017, and since then we have gone through that entire movie. We've also gone through Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior, which was a lot of fun, and currently... We are going through Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, and new episodes of that are going to be releasing all the way through to the end of this year. So we're huh, we're having a pretty good time, I would say, with the movie in the quadrilogy. That's just a little more goofy than the other three. <laughs> sure, <laughs> that's a nice way to say it. Yeah,
2: yeah we use that word a lot in uh, our review of that movie.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're having a lot of fun with uh with it. And it's remarkable to note that the Mad Max series is a Warner Brothers property, and Watchmen also is a Warner Brothers property.
0: Right. I wonder if the two shall intersect at all.
2: I think they might. (laughs) Yeah. I think they might.
3: I'd put money on it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: We'll have to keep our eyes open and find out when and where. Mm Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, If people are interested in hearing all about the Mad Max Minute, they can find us on our home, which is madmaxminute.com. We're on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, all of those other ones. But anyway, if you want to get a hold of us, we are on Twitter at Mad Max Minute. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the Mad Max Minute. And we have a listener page called Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone.
0: That's a great great name for your listener group. We're pretty proud
2: of it.
0: Okay, so I guess we will be back tomorrow for minute 102. And I will say until then, who watches The Watchmen? We We, do. We We do. do.
1: Watchmen are over.